Hello and welcome to. Nope. Still <laughs> off. Still off. Hello. 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 <laughs> I'll find it. I'll find it. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to. You, 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 you know ID, ID in the, D in the town all day. ID, ID in the, D in the, S-E-A. You, you know ID, ID in the, D in the town all day. ID, ID in the, D in the, S-E-A. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And it is time for my favorite podcast of the yes. year, our annual tradition, looking back on the year that was in Seattle sports, even though there's still a couple weeks left, and looking ahead to 2023 with our bold predictions. I can't wait. Oh, I'm so excited. We look forward to this every single year. To me, the thing, maybe even more so than bold predictions, because you stack those in your favor somehow, the historically actually not the case. We we teased a little bit. We chatted about this. There might be some controversy in the Seattle sports figure of the year. I don't know that there's going to be controversy per se. Controversy. <laughs> yes. I've, I look forward to looking back on your Seattle Sports Figure of the Year choice from 2022. I nailed it. Nailed it. People were saying 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, you're going to have Maddie Beniers this year or something. So. <laughs> He's had a fine year. Uh, he does not, sadly, even though he did debut last year and sign with the Kraken, uh, did not appear in our Sports Stories of the Year which is always kicks us off. We'll begin with honorable mentions. Uh, Garth Loggerway departing the Sounders as president of soccer and leaving for Atlanta United FC after the MLS season. Uh, Gabby Plain concluding her storied UW career in the circle. One of the best best pitchers we've ever seen for the Huskies. And Gabby. Sadly, not with a, a a great run through the final NCAA tournament as the Huskies lost at home in the sub-regionals for, the I think, the first time ever. Uh, UW Munn Soccer won the Pac-12. Uh, saw them also get upset in the NCAA tournament at home, but uh, it was a terrific regular season for UW Men's Soccer. We'll always cherish those couple of weeks that we were paying attention. And they may be on the run, rundown all next season. We'll see. Uh, wow. They may not. <laughs> This Kraken's doing a lot of work there. Oh, I mean, I've kept them on the rundown. They're still there. You can see them. Uh, the Kraken uh, did this year. This made the made the cut. Drafting Shane Wright with the number four overall pick, considered the the top prospect going into the NHL draft. We still haven't seen a lot of him this season. Uh, scored. His I was going to say, and is playing well so far. No, apparently not. Scored his first NHL goal a couple weeks ago, and we then uh, now is representing Team Canada in the IHF World Junior Championships. The Kraken loaning him Ooh. to Team Canada. Team what? <laughs> At least it's not Team Morgan. Morgan, <laughs> which would be would be appropriate. <laughs> really can't resist the falling in love with our neighbors to the north and south. Sometimes, if you're Canada, you're both. <laughs> Oh, that's a great callback. One of the one of the finest uh, M's hot takes. Definitely the finest time M's hot takes of the season. Uh, the NBA returning to Seattle for the preseason, the first time at New Climate Pledge Arena, is the Clippers played a pair of games here in October. Uh, first against Israeli squad Maccabi Ranana, and then against the Blazers in a major showcase for Seattle basketball uh, or Seattle owners, at least. 
Uh, the Seattle Storm lost in the semifinals to the eventual champion Las Vegas Aces, a series many people on this podcast called the real WNBA Finals. It's true. It was I, true. Think- I have an honorable mention you forgot that we haven't talked about, by the way. What's that? We did finish the ball, and then I'll mention okay. it again. Uh, the Mariners trading for Luis Castillo, a real declaration of intent and in how serious they were about uh, making the playoffs this year. We'll, we'll perhaps be addressing that again, but uh, and a big being moment. Done. Really yep. important. The Mariners making Luis Castillo the last acquisition <laughs> in game history. <laughs> no, they still are happy to trade for players. <laughs> they're Just, happy to, they didn't they're sign happy Luis Castillo as a free minor agent. Minor league free agents. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the last one I had most this is not a mention was Paolo Bancaro becoming the first Seattle area player ever drafted number one overall in the NBA draft, a remarkable accomplishment. And he looks to be well on his way to winning rookie of the year honors. Well, and it's really funny because the ones that you forgot when we are going over these honorable mentions were all of the ones pertaining to basketball in Seattle. Uh, and it's funny that I'm reminding you of, you of this, but one of the most important moments in basketball in Seattle happened this summer, probably even more important oh. than those preseason games. And that was LeBron James coming to play at the crossover tournament and the crossover in general. Yeah, uh, it was a bit, huge summer for the crossover. Oh, man. We'll see Ooh, what that looks be... like in 2023. But the first time that King James has played in Seattle since the Sonics moved. Uh, I'm going to say honorable mention already I, I, to Jamal Crawford for my Seattle Sports Figure of the Year for getting all these players here. I mean, also, also that day's games plausibly when I got COVID. <laughs> LeBron a, James gave you COVID. That is designer COVID. <laughs> it was, certainly was not him. I was not within six feet of him at any the point. The door was locked and said no Kevin's allowed. <laughs> they, they kept me outside the door, outside the gym. <laughs> Where everybody no else was shooting. No Kevins. <laughs> just just Plural. one. No, no Plural. <laughs> uh, well. All right. Now let's get to our top 10. Number 10. UW football upsets Oregon. Just the Hello. third head-to-head win over the Ducks since 2003. And is this all we're talking? Are we coming back to UW football a little bit later? Uh, well, Michael Penix Jr. appears later on this. But. That, that's UW football. I, I, but I guess this one in particular. I mean, I, I have never let out such a visceral sound from my body as I did when the Huskies got that stop on fourth down. Getting that stop, that was the... Which- the and wasn't there the was end a of the lot game. of scary stuff that happened after that, right? The game wasn't over when that happened, but the stop that they got on fourth down with Bonix on the sideline when that happened, I have never in my entire life let out something so guttural, so visceral that has been saved up in my chest like black tar for a decade, <laughs> right? Even more so. It was, I, it, we couldn't even really release it. When we won 70 to 21 in Eugene, this win, this win was somehow more exciting, more perfect than that one. And to know that we find out the news earlier today that Bo Nix will be returning to Eugene and we most likely will be seeing him in a rematch. Penix versus Nix in Seattle, motherfucking Washington in 2023. I can't wait. Oh, man. Now you got me hyped up. <laughs> I, I, I thought that game was really interesting because like I, I feel like usually Seahawks games are by far our biggest engagement on Twitter at PeltonCast. And that was the most UW football engagement we have ever gotten in that one. 
Or it's visceral. The, it was the Apple Cup carried that over as well. So, it's, but it's visceral the the way that people feel about Oregon in the city of Seattle, for sure. It's also complicated the way they feel about Oregon in the city of Seattle because hashtag our Blazers. <laughs> uh, number they don't nine, play in Portland. That's true. <laughs> like they play. I can, I've been to Eugene, Oregon. It is a long way from Portland, Oregon. In, I've been every to sense. the state of Washington. Portland is not that far from the state of Washington. <laughs> true, true facts in this case. All right, number nine, Sounders FC miss ML- the MLS playoffs for the first time in franchise history, snapping a 13-season streak, which was the longest in MLS history at the time, has now been matched by New York Red Bulls because they did make it this year. It was an interesting season. For Sounders FC, we'll talk about the high point a little bit later in the top 10, but uh, that contrasted with a really very disappointing MLS regular season. So, strange times. Uh, a team, a soccer team, professional soccer team here that was having a better time of it in the regular season, OL Reign, who won their third NWSL Shield for finishing atop the NWS, NWSL regular season standings. Alas, uh, their playoff run ended at home in the semifinals in front of a great crowd, but still, uh, you know, a season for OL Reign that I think really established them as a fixture in the Seattle sports scene now that they are back in Seattle. Is that the number eight moment? Yes. Okay. No, I, I definitely think the franchise is moving in two different directions at this point. When you, when you, I don't know if I would necessarily say that. We'll see. We'll see what that looks like. Uh, OL rain though, coming, coming to Seattle now playing at CenturyLink or Lumen field or whatever it is. Seahawks stadium, corporately sponsored stadium. Yeah. Playing, playing at that stadium. There was somebody who made a, this is totally unrelated, way off topic. Somebody who made, a Lego version of T-Mobile Park. I saw that, yeah. And they included all the sponsorship. And I was like, it's kind of cool that it's accurate. And also just kind of, uh, like, really, we had to have the Coke ads. Anyway. It, it always makes me think, like, in Major League, it's perceived as such a joke in so selling out to the minor leagues for them to have ads on their fences. Like, that's an incredible sign of cheapness and penury from the owner. And now that's uh, just every baseball stadium. Now the sign of the cheapness and penury from the owner is that lack of spending on free agents. Uh-huh. Well, the Indians in the movie, yeah, now the Guardians, did not spend a lot on free agents as well. Uh-huh. I hate to break it to you. They would have a salary of like 750000 No, <laughs> who Who is Corbin Burns' character? What was his name? The third baseman? Uh, Roger Dorn. He, he was a high-priced free agent. <laughs> <laughs> they only had to have like one season of Roger Dorn after they weren't paying him until he was 60 years. <laughs> well, clearly he, the contract had been signed many years earlier. That was the 2022 Robinson Cano portion of his career. Uh, number seven in our top 10 stories, Michael Penix Jr. Finishing eighth in Heisman voting. Nope. You can add in here that happening after he announced his return to UW, as you already alluded to. The, the whole Seattle sports story is Michael Penix Jr. Uh, obviously finishing eighth, but the se- this is the whole season that he had. And it's interesting. I was listening to uh, our over-unders podcast at the very beginning of the year. I think he'd played two games as UW quarterback at that point. And I already was like, you can see how- what the difference of a scheme and health can do for a quarterback. And it's kind of wild. Like, I was just like, yeah, he's in He's in the cannon after two games. I mean, you right? declared him the greatest quarterback in UW history after three games, I think, right? With a 
He is the greatest quarterback in UW history. Coming back on top of that, we'll see what the future holds. But there there have been, if, if you were a nervous person, there have been seasons that were supposed to be the celebratory final year or whatever. Oh, save it. Have, save it. They, they haven't gone as well as you expect them to. Maybe we'll be going in different directions for the uh, uh, bold predictions for 2023. But I, I think this is one. Michael Penix Jr., this season fought back in every single possible situation that he could have just collapsed, right? There was the injury. We forget the the ill-fated Arizona State game. He was injured during that game, came back constantly, brought this team back again and again and again. When things looked bad, Michael Penix Jr., above everything else, is steady. And I think that's there's the big plays. There's everything he does. He is a almost, to a when they're down, calm and collected quarterback, seeing Michael Penix Jr. He is a he is a differently built quarterback. The makeup is so different than anybody else, even possibly by NFL standards. Michael ha, being able to have a year of Michael Penix Jr. in our life in the year 2022, it was it was a pleasure to see. And it was incredible. He said all the right things. He did all the right things. Steady play on the field, the bombs, everything he did. Like, we will look back on the season of quarterback play, no matter what happens next year, and we will remember this forever. I mean, it was transformative for the program. We were very optimistic. We'll get to your bold predictions in reviewing those. You were very optimistic in particular about the state of the UW program, especially after Penix announced his transfer here. But, you know, just to think about where they were 13 months ago and where they are now, oh, an incredible transformation. All right, number six sports story. First Seahawks appearance on the list. The Seahawks release Bobby Wagner. And the other thing that was striking, listening back to last year's uh, year in review podcast, is just how negative we were about Bobby Wagner's play at that point. I think we have a different perspective after he's played as well as he has for the Rams this season. And as I will every single time we talk about the Seahawks in 2022, I was wrong. And I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a, another another uh, uh, <clears throat> honorable mention we should probably throw out there is Jamal Adams getting injured in week one against the Broncos. Yeah. But I was wrong. I was wrong. I Again, who knows? Roster makeup wise, maybe they shouldn't have. They probably should have done what they did with regards to release. Everything happened as it should have happened in this situation. I don't blame Bobby Wagner. I don't blame the Seahawks. But the thing that we were wrong about is where Bobby Wagner was at in his career. And I was wrong, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I do feel good that I mentioned, like, well, we haven't even seen him blitz this much this year, which, it, looking at the Pro Football Reference advanced stats after that, it turned out actually it was mostly just that he blitzed a ton in 2020 when the Seahawks needed to blitz a lot to create pass rushing, pass rush, pressure. I don't know. I uh, I can't speak good here. Uh but it turns out that, you know, free to do a lot more stuff than just tackle players after seven yard gains. He was capable of doing it. Weird. And the Seahawks I, I problems remain the same. That is also true about Jordan Brooks as well, that we haven't necessarily given him the ability to prove to us. Perhaps we haven't seen him do it at the NFL level at the same way that we have Bobby Wagner before and after. All right. Number five on the list. Julio Rodriguez wins Jackie Robinson, AL Rookie of the Year. And 
a really impressive year to do so when you think about the field of rookies that was out there. As we mentioned, I think Jeremy Pena, who you know helped who played a key role in the Astros winning the World Series, finished I think fourth or fifth in the AL Rookie of the Year voting. So, oh, it was a monster year. I mean, you ha- you have the Adley Rutschman, like yep. those seasons Stephen that Kwan. happened. Who was that? Oh, Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan. And oh my God, who's the dude for the Royals? Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, and Bobby Witt didn't even pan out necessarily in the season. So there was definitely more to come. At the same time, you have, was it Cal Raleigh's rookie year officially? Uh, I don't think so, but let me double check that. But even like George Kirby on the other side, this yeah. was this was a very, very deep rookie class. And Julio won it comfortably. Like We'll talk so much more about Julio after this. Him winning rookie of the year is just the tip of the iceberg. Let's hope so. Let's it's certainly... the tip of the iceberg for us talking about Julio Rodriguez oh, on okay. this podcast. No, I think Cal Raleigh did pass rookie. No, he did during 2021. So he was not eligible. Okay. Uh, number four. This was the high point of the Sounders season. And I think it's something we, we really need to talk about for a second here. The Sounders winning CONCACAF Champions League, becoming the first MLS team to win under the current Champions League format with the LA Galaxy having won the Champions Cup in 2000. And this, to me, you can pinpoint... I mean, some of these things in hindsight obviously look much different. But this, to me, was the moment that the Kraken curse was snapped. And you listen back to last year's podcast. We'll we'll touch on it later. The curse was obviously a dominant point of discussion because we were in a point of deep despair about Seattle sports. Everything, it seemed, you know, every situation, it seemed, was... Charlie Brown getting ready to kick the football, and then Lucy would pull it away at the last minute. What was the timing of this vis-a-vis the Rust trade? The Rust trade happened in what March, and this happened in May. May. This was okay. so this the the final game of the two leg uh, final series, a great final series, was played on May fourth. The Kraken's final regular season game, notably, played on May first. Wow. So the timing does line up line up from that standpoint. And we also over time that maybe it's the curse of Sue Bird. <laughs> well, that was the Mariners specifically. Other Seattle sports teams Other very teams successful well during Sue Bird's entire two-decade career. We'll get to that in a second as well. I mean, this is an accomplishment that we mentioned Garth Lagerway's departure that he in particular had always highlighted as an important goal for the Sounders to be able to represent MLS on this regional stage that has been completely dominated by Liga MX teams over the years. It means that they'll get to play in the FIFA Club World Cup, which is an exciting opportunity. So as badly as everything went, and some of it related to the fact that Joao Paulo suffered a season-ending ACL injury in the second game of the final, and the Sounders were never quite the same without him. Uh, uh, But this was a momentous accomplishment for a franchise that already won many U.S. Open Cups and multiple MLS Cups. Huge accomplishment. Again, the franchise has achieved quite a bit. They'd made it to the playoffs 13 seasons in a row, as you said. This is going to be more lasting over time. I think the thing that we've learned is, are we going to talk more about the curse or is that it? Well, I mean, it comes up in past uh, sports figures of the year. All right, let's talk talk about the curse then. Okay. Now we get to the top three. These are three huge stories. I think some years, any of these three could have been our number one overall story. So difficult to parse between them. But at number three, I had Sue Bird announcing her retirement (laughs) mid-season and concluding her career 
in front of sellout crowd, the largest basketball crowd, uh, largest crowd in storm history in their final regular season home game against Las Vegas. And then great crowds throughout their playoff run as they beat Washington in the first round, then lost to Las Vegas in the semifinals, despite Sue Bird hitting what should have been a storybook game winning three pointer in the final seconds of game three against Las Vegas. It still crushes me that they didn't win that game. I mean, what else can you say about Sue's career that we haven't already? Oh, yeah, we've talked a lot about Sue, but this is sort of to say about the year, what a monster year with regards to news stories in the city of Seattle was, that the most important athlete in Seattle sports history retired this year, and it's number three on the list. Again, I think we've gone through the... And, and also notably, notably, third Pelton brother, Sue Bird. There we go. We've gone through the Mount Rushmore of Seattle sports, right? We have. I don't know when the last time we revisited that was. So obviously you've got Ichiro. Oh, God. <laughs> Our worst, continued worst podcast take, Felton Cast take of 2022. Extended right, backwards several years. <laughs> Text me when y'all are done. Who? <clears throat> oh, Griffey. It's Griffey. I think it's Russ. It's Sue Bird. And I think it's Sean Kemp. And maybe uh, no, I actually think we're giving the nod to Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Two two headed Kemp and Payton. They're they're there was one single figure it's, together. It's you two headed Kemp and Payton, but there are not five people on Mount Rushmore. There's no president with two heads. <laughs> not yet. So far. I, I, Once the vaccine really kicks in, am I right? No. <laughs> Um, I was going to say maybe in Trump NFTs. Oh, there we go. Um, the there's only there's only four four people on Mount Rushmore. It, I would have to narrowly give the nod to Peyton over Ken. It's GP. Yeah, Sue Bird, Russ, GP, Ken Griffey Jr. That is the Seattle sport. That is the Seattle sports Mount Rushmore. It can be cracked into. It's not perfect, right? It's not actually carved out of a mountain. We, we will keep an eye as over time, as this evolves and changes. So your we're boy Maddie gets in there or we're whatever. Have an observer like the observers at the Rams Broncos game on Christmas Day. Someone, just an artist, is going to be observing Julio just in case we need to chisel <laughs> his face into the mountain. We're thinking about Julio, but but this is this is not. We don't you don't add something on the side, right? There's no crazy horse. This is you're either in the top four or you're not, and. This was the year, I mean, we'll talk about the last two stories, that two of the athletes who were in the Seattle sports Mount Rushmore stopped playing their sport in the city of Seattle. And Subert's career, with the ups and the downs, the championships that she brought to Seattle. The time you retired her three years prematurely. That was fun. Uh, I'm happy, happy to have been able to call her uh, uh, third Pelton brother, a coworker for a very, very short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> and a WNBA champion multiple times. And I, I think that Sue's career, the, the way that she ended her career, obviously winning the WNBA championship would have been different, but playing to that high of a level, the moments that we got, the performance in New York, uh, being able to play in front of her hometown crowd for the final time, like it was an awesome season for Sue. And I think she went out in an amazing way. And, and it was not like, it wasn't a sad last dance or something like that 
it wasn't Michael Jordan on the Wizards, right? Did he make the playoffs in either of those seasons? I uh, don't believe so, no. It was Subert went out playing highly competitive basketball to the very, very end. If she would have come back next year, we would have said, absolutely. Yeah, where one of the biggest stories is like for the storm offseason is, or 2023 is going to be, how did the storm manage to replace Subert at point guard? Yeah. So. I, the other thing I want to say about this honorable is, mention to the meeting Brianna Stewart had with the Liberty over the summer. <laughs> it's over the winter, but oh no, oh no! I determined no Brianna Stewart related predictions about her free agency in 2023 were eligible to be bold predictions. Wow, when is that open? January. It's coming There's up. So many notes for the WNBA. <laughs> I'm sure you do. The How has that not happened yet? They could have the season could have ended if they immediately go into free agency like the NBA does. It is the biggest story. Well, yeah, the, the key is the NBA doesn't have an eight month off season. But it's like the WNBA They're more is like, on a cool, baseball timeline. Season. Let everybody forget that the WNBA exists. Then we'll hit free agency when nobody cares. I I would move it up as well. Okay, but the the other thing I wanted to say is. You know, this is all marketing. You understand that, right? All the stuff like like I, it has to fit in the calendar. I Ultimately, mean, transactions are marketing. I mean, free agency is marketing. I'll agree with that part of it. The other thing I want to say though is trades you know, are as much literally do trade grades. Yeah, but I'm saying that like tr- I don't know that they should write the rules of trades around marketing. I'm not saying write the rules of trades, but the timing for when trades happens is around the same time as free agency. Yes, the majority of the trades happen at the same time. Par- parsing that's, that's trades fair. and free agency is two separate things. It's okay, like, but like you can make a trade now. No one's. I, no, I guess you can't. I don't know. Maybe you can. I don't. I don't know what the rules are in that. Off yeah, the top of my head, I'm sure you don't. I know in the NBA they, the rules. Uh, as much as I would have loved to see the Storm play Game Five in Las Vegas, the fact that Sue's final game was in Seattle was, in hindsight, it kind of had to be that way. All right, that's, that's the last thing. <laughs> Number two, as you said, Russell Wilson, a member of our Seattle Sports Mount Rushmore, who had played had quarterbacked the Seahawks for all but three games in the regular season and playoffs in the entire existence of the fabulous Pelton cast, traded to the Denver Broncos. Are you going to give the spiel again? I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I was I was equally wrong on this one. That's for sure. I mean, it's so interesting, like looking back on this trade, and every even with the Broncos' victory today, wherever that pick, the pick, even if it's a top ten pick, literally in that preseason podcast, I was like, the Seahawks aren't going to get a top ten pick from the Broncos. That'd be unheard <laughs> of. Wherever that pick ends up in the end. Like, the combination of Russell Wilson's play in Denver and the picks that are going to be coming back, picks, multiple, that are going to be coming back to the Seahawks, Geno's play this last year, how the Seahawks look like a significantly better team, whether that means that that pushes them forward in the future or not. This has been an unprecedented coup by the Seahawks organization. A trade that at the time, our reaction to it, and I know my reaction to it, was overwhelmingly negative, has turned into possibly the greatest trade in NFL history. In the conversation. It's in the conversation. 
He's bringing up the conversation. We talked about quarterback situations in the preseason that we thought were worse than the Seahawks. And I said it was quarterback teams who were set maybe with players that they didn't necessarily know were the right player, right? All of those situations are true. They're still true. I mean, you look at the Cardinals quarterback situation with the deal that they just gave Kyler. And then even before the injury, it still was very complicated. The Seahawks now, aside from like five teams, might have the best quarterback situation of any team in the NFL. I don't know if it's quite that good, but they have a lot of questions, a lot of multiple options in a way that most teams don't flexibility. They have not invested a lot of money into a quarterback in terms of salary or in terms of picks. They've done neither at this point. And the second you do that, that's your person, right? And the Seahawks have not had, they've not been forced to do that. The Niners have done it multiple times and Brock Purdy is the best fucking quarterback on the roster. I, I think part of what the Seahawks, makes the Seahawks situation so great, though, is they have the ability to invest in multiple ways at quarterback if they so choose. And, you don't and have I, to make, make it all about one guy. I will say it's a little bit of the genius of Pete Carroll. He did it way back in the day with Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson. Correct. And it happened again with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. But this trade was, we pinpoint every single moment that happened over the last year or whatever. And it's like, in the moment, it was frustrating. We'll talk about the curse in a second. In the moment, it was frustrating. And now we look at it as, if that thing hadn't happened, we would have never been able to have made the Russell Wilson trade. (laughs) And that would have been bad. Because the Seahawks were on the carousel. They were on the carousel with Russell Wilson. They were in the 10-7. and They probably, if you just change, if you flip the season to exactly as it played out. Russell Wilson is the quarterback. He's probably not going to be as bad as he is in Denver, but maybe they're competing with the Giants and the Commanders for that last playoff spot a little bit closer than they are right now. Maybe they're eight and six or whatever. I just don't think think things look all that different than they do right now. And you factor in the two draft picks that are coming back and you factor in the two draft picks from the previous year. This was the best trade in, I, I think, GP for Ray Allen and this are the two most important or uh, uh, Mark Langston for Randy Johnson. Like that's what we're talking about. Those types of trades. I mean, it's the GP for Ray Allen is kind of a funny analog in terms of people really were angry about that trade in the moment. And then they watch Ray Allen play and what played out with, you know, Gary Payton didn't necessarily fall off a cliff performance wise the same way that Russell Wilson did, but the Milwaukee Bucks had him for three months. When GP's still on the Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. That trade has to be set up the franchise. And we also love Ray Allen. Yeah. Right? So it again, I I John Schneider and Pete Carroll do not care about getting an apology from me. But <laughs> I was wrong in this one. And to me, I think that's the most important thing, what I'm doing, is that if as you gather more available evidence and things happen. You change your perspective on things. And <laughs> Especially if you're all takes, Tristan. I, I will accept that I was very angry about it in the moment. I thought it was the wrong decision in the moment. And I was wrong. I thought that the Seahawks were going to go through a very significant rebuild. And who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the takes later on. But this was, again, it was the greatest trade in Seahawks franchise history. 
It is scary to as realize. As long as they don't draft a running back with that Broncos <laughs> pick. There is still a possibility the Broncos and Seahawks could finish with identical records. Obviously, very unlikely at this stage. Well, that brings us to our number one story. And despite the you have two... Say, you have nothing else to say about Russell Wilson? I... Yeah, I don't think I do. No. Okay. I'm going to keep moving. No, okay, I have one last thought on Russell Wilson. It's okay. funny because how we view athletes, right? Somebody says the person, well, not the person, but the Julio Rodriguez, right? Came up earlier. And just when you think about Julio Rodriguez, you're like, I love that guy, right? You think back to all these moments and you're just like, like you could picture Julio and you're just like, it brings you joy in your heart. You know, you Marie Kondo. You're just like, I hold Julio Rodriguez in my hand. It fills me with joy. When I think back on Russell Wilson, I'm like, wow, this moment was incredible or whatever. But you know how scientifically when your memories work, you're almost remembering your memory and over time it gets warped over time. Yes. That is the way that I think about Russell Wilson now. It's so strange and how quickly it happens. And again, eventually I'll go back to, it'll just be like, wow, Russ, Russ was so amazing during those time periods. But we're in this in-between and it's like, I used to really, really care about this quarterback, this athlete, and he means absolutely nothing to me. I see him on the sideline with a giant ball on his head or whatever, and I'm like, that's so strange that that's happening to the Broncos quarterback. It's not like that's Russell Wilson, right? We cared so much about. He's just the quarterback of the team that we have the draft pick of, and it's incredible how quickly that can happen. I, I don't feel the I, same I don't, kind of... I know that I think everyone in Seattle has moved on from Russell Wilson that quickly. I, I don't feel the same kind of, like, joy. It's just, I'm I'm indifferent on, on Russell Wilson. He's the quarterback for another football team, period. That's it. I still want good things to happen for Russell Wilson, particularly next season when it does not impact the Seahawks draft pick. So I guess I'll say that. I definitely want him to bounce back. I think he will. I, I truly think Russ will. I wouldn't, it's not worthy of going to a bold prediction, but I think the Broncos will be a playoff caliber team. Contending I, I have a different bounce back bold prediction. So again, we had the end of the Seattle tenure of two of the four athletes on our Mount Rushmore of Seattle sports. And yet there was only one candidate for number one sports story of the year. And somehow, because of the particular expectations for this franchise, it isn't winning a championship. It's just making the playoffs. <laughs> and yet, like, Build I will... Build a statue! Build a statue! <laughs> will always remember where I was when Cal Raleigh hit that home run to officially send the Mariners to the playoffs and end the longest playoff drought in American pro sports at 20... Play-in tournament winners! Season. <laughs> I I will always remember the experience of that game three against Houston and watching it on the concourse and then oh that was and Rachel's ginger beer like the moments that we shared with the Mariners this season we'll talk more about this I'm sure but it had to be the number one sports story it's I honestly like I throughout I I had done this before you but rediscovering the love for the sport of baseball. Over Based on re-listening to the podcast, yeah, I think it happened for you last year. It's been really fun. I mean, you don't have a child playing baseball every single day. And I'm like, baseball is, it is a lot, baseball is a bigger part of my life than any other sport by a pretty significant amount. And I coach two basketball teams. <laughs> 
It is December 18th, 2022. And I went to a baseball practice today. Like I've, I baseball didn't go away. It is constantly happening for me in my life. And to have the Mariners be good in that same timeline is so much more fun than having them be irrelevant. And then this, the moments that we had throughout this year, the 4th of July, Julio hitting that Jack in San Diego. So much fun, right? We have the long extra inning game against the Yankees. Lloris Terentz coming through. All the Cal Rally moments. Carlos Santana catching fire in July. Oh, like the Santana intro. Luis Castillo pl- pitching. Was it his first ever game for the Mariners against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium? Yes. We had a lot of incredible moments. I haven't even mentioned Haggerty, right? I, yes. It's it was such a fun season. It wasn't just about ending the ending the streak, the play or the drought or whatever. It was about all of the moments that happened throughout this year. And that's they're all they're all part of the same thing. But right? the moments gained more importance because of the fact that they were working towards ending the drought. I right? think that's absolutely true. I think they had more moments this season than they did last year. Or maybe the moments this year well, I, I'm calling this year as still twenty the twenty twenty two season. Yes. They they gain they gain more Vow they the memories become more impactful because of the drought ending. Exactly. I mean, it's it it won't be the same. Whatever they accomplish next season, you know, hopefully greater seasons than this going forward. But there will still still never be quite as fun a season as the first season. As much as the same way that we talk about the 2012 Seahawks season as being maybe the most fun, even though they won the Super Bowl the next year and went back the year after that, and then it got canceled. <laughs> it, I mean, it's sort of like all it's they're all coupled with different moments, right? Like we talk about the 2012 Seahawks season, but we also talk about the back half signing of the Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, right? I suppose, yeah. Like there's all these moments of the same, or, or they're they're all different moments that build on top of each other. And if you're able to achieve, look, if if the if the Mariners made it to the divisional round and lost to the Astros, and the next year they win the fucking World Series by being the best team in the league by a significant amount, that'd be great. <laughs> right they have i i'm, I'm not going to say that teoscar hernandez and colton wong are exactly michael bennett and cliff averill or whatever but like that would be an amazing moment if that's what happened but most importantly in this very moment it's been fun that baseball hasn't gone away we're still talking about it constantly the mariners had to fight to get on the rundown and you just said earlier you kept men sock you'd have men soccer on the rundown <laughs> It's not that hard to crack the rundown, but for the Mariners, we could not do it, right? I was, I was going to say the real testament to the 2022 Mariners is I named multiple finishers in AL Rookie of the Year. <laughs> two. What year two. could I have done that before? I, every transaction that has happened this offseason, I'm like, oh, Justin Turner to the Red Sox. Hmm. <laughs> like, I'm, def- I'm definitely still learning about players all the time. You don't know who Justin Turner is? Not really. He did win a World Series. Was that the the COVID World Series? Yes. Maybe I do know who he is, but only vaguely. Giant red beard. Yeah, I, uh, I do know. Yeah. But like, at that absolutely, I know so much more about players throughout throughout the league, right? I know players in the Brewers now, at least one. Jesse Winker. Yes. 
With that, should we get to our Seattle Sports Figure of the Year? First off, eventually there's going to be too many of them to list them all off, but we haven't Absolutely reached that not. point yeah. yet. Is there a time limit on the podcast? Is your Zoom only go for 40 minutes? 2013, I chose... This takes to the Zoom to uh, vote of ink. <laughs> <laughs> You're the real hero. <laughs> You're the real Sports Figure of the Year. You might award them 25%. All right, 2013, I chose Pete Carroll. You chose... Russell Wilson, 2014. I chose Marshawn Lynch. You chose Richard Sherman. 2015 was when I picked Russell Wilson. You picked Michael Bennett. 2016, we agreed for the first time on Chris Peterson. 2017, I picked Tim Laiwiki. You picked Clint Dempsey. 2018, we were unanimous on Sue Bird. 2019, I picked Brian Schmetzer. You picked Megan Rapino. 2020, we agreed on Brianna Stewart. 2021, I chose the curse. And you chose 75% you, the fan, 25% Alex Rodriguez, future owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. (laughs) No reason to believe they are moving to Seattle or anywhere else anytime in the near future. We'll see. He hasn't taken over the franchise yet. Are things going well in Minnesota? We'll see on the team. Well, yeah, as soon as Rudy Gobert also got hurt, as well as Carl Anthony Towns, they went on a two-game winning streak. A two scored, a, scored 150 points against the Bulls tonight without either of those two players. Centers like are bad. Uh, can we talk about the curse now then? Sure. Because you gave the curse your Seattle sports figure of the year for 2021. It, it dominated our conversation about Seattle sports in 2021. What is the best thing that happened in Seattle sports in 2022? Some of the best things. You're talking about things that happened in 2021 that came out of the 2022, curse? right? Okay, so Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr. The Mariners. Kalen DeBoer. The, the Mariners, I, you can't really credit the curse, but like no. they were on their way up. The Russell Wilson trade, Geno Smith. Uh, I mean, you can even pinpoint a few moments for the Mariners, though. Like Ayugenio Suarez was one of the best, but we haven't even mentioned his name, right? We have not. Uh, all of these things were thanks to our good friend, <laughs> the curse. Because when things take. are down, the way that sports works is sometimes you need a reset. Sometimes, and and in some ways, in some sports, it's literally with draft picks or whatever. I mean, I mentioned this to you about the San Francisco 49ers. The best way that you could have a professional football franchise, obviously to be really, really good forever, that'd be great. You want to be really good or really bad because they give you good draft picks when you're really bad. Average is the fucking worst. Average is bad. And teams last year oh, for lack of were not word. average. UW football had their coach fired midseason for pushing a player. That was not average, right? But what that led to was a reset of the program and going out and finding the right coach in Kalen DeBoer and paying him 65% of the Washington state budget for the year 20. No, Um, but going out and finding the right coach in Kalen DeBoer who brought in the right quarterback in Michael Penix jr. Who led to a season that could have been a, a new year's six season. It wasn't quite, but it was very, very close on the cusp. Even still, they're ranked number 11 in the country or something like that. It's unheard yeah. of for where yeah. we were a year ago. 
at UW football. We were, there was excitement because of the the people who are coming into the program. We were excited about it, but this has been just an absolute destruction of what our anticipation, our highest expectations would have been. In the same way for the Seahawks, the fact that we're watching these picks and it's like, ah, it's I don't know what the pick is at right now. After that Broncos win today. It is tied for third now. I'm not sure how the tiebreakers work on that one. We're upset that it is tied for the third pick in the draft. Does that make sense? No. The curse is the best thing that has ever happened. Which still the city of Seattle still makes it the sports figure of the year for 2021. No, I'm not. I'm not readjusting what you're saying. I'm just saying, sometimes when you're down bad, you just gotta wait a second. Seattle sports works in mysterious ways. And I mean, even you look at the Kraken or whatever, right? Like the Kraken ended up drafting what was widely considered to be the best player in the draft. We went into that season with an anticipation. I think. Uh, a couple of different folks told us that the Kraken should be pushing the playoffs and they definitely were not. They got a good draft pick and they're a much better team this year. Now they are right. So it, it's the pendulum swinging. It needed a second. We had a lot, a lot of very good things that happened. The worst thing that can happen to a program. You and I both talked about, we don't have a bold prediction about UW basketball because UW basketball is totally average, right? It's just, just fine. It is existing. Mike High Hopkins degrees of adequacity. Is, he's, got, he's got a basketball team that is winning some games and losing some games. And that is never really where you want to be. So uh, the curse worked in mysterious ways and got us to this point where we are in 2022, where all things considered, I think we're pretty, we're feeling both pretty good about the organizations as a whole and the future potential of almost every single sports team that we follow. And I think that's what's really exciting about it. There's not just winning teams. There's really good young players on these winning teams that we have people monitoring Julio Rodriguez for the fucking Mount Rushmore right now. It's early. It is very, very early, right? Maybe too early. It's too early to to monitor Julio Rodriguez for that. But like, we don't need to monitor Michael Penix for the Mount Rushmore necessarily. You dub Mount Rushmore though, possibly. Yes. So the fact that we're even having that conversation, I think is very, very exciting in this moment. And the athletes who are playing in the city of Seattle. Do you want to transition to your pick for Seattle sports figure of the year in 2022? It's to me, it's easily Julio Rodriguez. One of the greatest rookie seasons in Seattle sports history and I understand your argument, which is there's going to be better be, seasons than this. There's going to be better Julio Rodriguez seasons. But to me, nothing is for sure. Nothing is for certain. Nothing lasts forever. But until they close the curtain, it's him and I. Who, 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 Leo, and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That went very poorly. <laughs> the last part. No. But the. We don't know what's going to happen after this with Julio Rodriguez. But what we do know is that the most exciting baseball player in the city of Seattle since Ken Griffey Jr. was a fucking rookie this year and blew through expectations because he's not just a phenomenal baseball player. He does it and he's fun. Yes. He makes baseball exciting again. Every single fucking team in the entire MLB wishes they had a Julio Rodriguez. 
He's putting fans in the stadium. Every single kid who's out there, who if you ask any kid who their favorite Mariner is, it is Julio Rodriguez, unless they're a hipster. <laughs> and then they would obviously answer Haggerty, right? But there's nobody who's just like, oh, yeah, oh, Eugenio Suarez. I really fuck with him, right? Julio Rodriguez is it. He is the Mariners. He's him. That's that's it, period. He's that dude. You watch him swing. He has the best swing I have ever seen in my entire life, including Ken Griffey Jr. Like, I don't know if I can go there. Every, I swear to God, I'm just every single time I'm t- I'm telling Luca how to hit. I'm like, all right, well, watch. I've watched the Julio Rodriguez slow motion swing video 10,000 times because that's it. That is how you swing a baseball bat. It's perfect to a T. And he plays center field and he has fun playing baseball. And he took the team in his first goddamn season to the playoffs for the first time since 2001. Literally, you could not ask for anything else. And in the future, he might have those moments and they might be greater, but we will never, ever, ever again have Julio Rodriguez's rookie season. And he's it, period. It's To me, it's not even close. I've, I've got some possible runners up. There's not a 25% here or whatever. Like Julio Rodriguez is the Seattle sports figure of the year, more so than anybody has ever been the Seattle sports figure of the year. Wow. I you did on a couple of those, but that's like, kind of wild. Maybe, maybe the like the super year or the Chris Peterson year, possibly like the those there was no debate about it though. It wasn't like, well, the offense was good and the defense was also good. Julio Rodriguez is it, he is it, he's the team, he's your argument for why they shouldn't spend money. Because of how important Julio Rodriguez is. He is baseball in the city of Seattle. He is sports in the city of Seattle. Julio Rodriguez is everything. So it's not that I don't want to honor Julio Rodriguez. It's just that you already made my argument for me. The Seattle Sports Figure of the Year for 2022 is not one individual. It's 25 plus whatever over the course of the season individuals that came together to break this... 21 20 season streak that seemed like it was never going to end you think we can't like how can you not honor sam haggerty as the seattle sports figure of the year like he is the official totem of the fabulous Pelton cast mrs fantasy genius has a haggerty jersey because she is that hipster fan who does not pick julio as her favorite player how can you if not the only thing julio did wrong was not be italian how can you not honor him if we if we find out there's secretly a bunch of Italian heritage in the Dominican? We'll be changing our tip. How can you not honor Cal Raleigh after hitting the home run to send the Mariners back to the playoffs and a bunch of other huge home runs in the playoffs? How can you not honor Gino and good vibes only? How can you not honor Luis Castillo? How can you not honor Luis Torrens hitting that walk-off hit against the Yankees in the 13th inning and then Getting a win on the final day of the season is a fucking pitcher. Yes. Like, come on. And not everything this team did. Doing all that and not even being on the playoff roster. Julio might be the timeline for the Mariners, but he's not, he doesn't act in a way that makes him bigger than the team. He is not bigger than the team. He is a part of the whole. And the 2022 Seattle Sports Figure of the Year is the Seattle Mariners. I, I understand where you're coming from, and it's such a fucking cop-out that I can't even get along. There's not like when we're talking back to the previous Seattle sports figures of the year, we're like, and this year it was the defense. Like, 
We gave it to a fucking person. We had some balls back then. We weren't giving it to amorphous ideas. Some of us, the, the only time I've done your fucking Time Magazine mirror or whatever, right? It's you who's the man of the year. Like, the only time I've done that was getting fans back into the stadiums last year. And it was an impressive feat that all of us went through before then. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're just like, every single year, we're going to honor a large group of people or an amorphous idea or whatever. This is the Seattle sports figure, figure of the year, not the Seattle sports idea of the year, not the Seattle sports team of the year. The Seahawks won the fucking Super Bowl for the first time in Seattle sports history, and they didn't win it. But the Mariners made it to a wild card round. They were a wild card team, and the whole team gets it. You need to rethink the rules of this shit. I'm curious to see what the reaction is from the listener on this one. Debate. Oh, I think we know what the reaction is going to be of the we? listeners. Yeah. I don't know that we do. I could slander Ichiro right now <laughs> and people would still agree with me. <laughs> uh, you would too. I'm just saying like, yes. Okay, great. The, they were already number one in the sports moments. This is the Seattle sports figure of the year. And Julio Rodriguez is all of those moments don't happen without Julio Rodriguez. If he's Jared Kellenick this year, those moments don't happen. Sam Hagerty doesn't mean shit without Julio Rodriguez. Cal Rally means nothing without Julio Rodriguez, right? They're all a bunch of Abraham Toros without Julio. That's it, period. But if Julio Rodriguez does this, has this exact same season and the Mariners don't make the playoffs, I don't think Julio Rodriguez is your pick either. That might be true, but you know what happened? They did make the playoffs. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about... But they made the playoffs because of their collective team. Everybody makes the playoffs because of their collective team. You managed to choose Marshawn Lynch in the past. You managed to choose with... Russell Wilson, I don't... Pete Carroll was the winner of the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. It's close. It's close to a cop-out. Have I chosen an athlete every single time? Aside, We had Chris Peterson. Uh, Chris Peterson is the only non-athlete, depending on how fans. you count A-Rod. And the fans. I, I'm I'm sorry that I could be all takes Tristan over here, and I could settle on one player for the year, but you can't even determine. You couldn't even look at the situation and determine a player. It's the Seattle sports figure of the year, not stand, the Seattle sports team my or general idea of I the year. St- I stand by my choice. We'll see. Whether you stand you by your I'm bold right. predictions. I can tell you know I'm right deep do, down. Do not know you're right. <laughs> Did you even Okay, my honorable mentions. <clears throat> they 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 took a little hit recently. But you do have to give it up to the Genos. <laughs> yes. For In sure. In the city of Seattle. Like Geno Smith, I I think Geno Smith Penix, Geno Smith. I see I only like to honor figures rather than <laughs> I, I didn't want to honor the Washington Huskies, but I, I know that's more of your energy or whatever. Uh, I'm just like the Pac-12 for <laughs> being in the mix for a playoff spot. I mean, Kevin DeBoer has to also be in consideration here. But Penix, Penix, DeBoer, Gito Smith was, there was a moment there where I think before that, before the team went to Germany, where I think Geno Smith had, he had a lane to being the Seattle sports figure of the year. And the play hasn't quite matched that. I do think that's no offense to how Geno Smith is playing. 
given everything. It's a high bar to be the Seattle sports figure of the year. I, I don't. Uh, we'll talk about not what everyone would like be to happen with Gino later. But 25%. It's 25%. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it's just the, the A in A Rod. So many other so many other players were important. I think those were the two to me that you have to say and and like Eugenio Suarez, not really on the same level as Geno Smith, but like just having the Genos in general yes. in Seattle this it was year. A moment. Again, those are the only ones that I would even really consider for this award. To me, I like to limit it to one player <clears throat> because I hear the name of the award and I like to honor that and the history of it and every single time we've done it before this, but I guess now we're choosing teams. So, uh, but when I think about that from that perspective, I, I, again, and Michael, Michael Penix had such a monster season, but not having, it wasn't the most important UW season in the last 20 years or whatever. Right. And it wasn't even the most important UW season in the last 10 years. So I think Michael Penix is the best quarterback in UW history, but Maybe they win that game in Arizona State. Maybe he, maybe it's him, right? Could be. Maybe we're playing for the college football playoff in a week or two here, but that didn't happen. And despite all the great moments that we had there, it wasn't quite quite enough. To me, it's a very very high bar um, to to get to Seattle Sports Figure of the Year. And for you, I wish I could remember <laughs> off the top of my head the first baseman who was playing after Ty France got injured. <laughs> oh God. I wanted, I'm not sure who you mean by that. They had this dude who they released like a few weeks later. Oh, I guess I don't remember who you vaguely His remember. You're like something. Well, look, he was a part of ending the drought. So yes, <laughs> everybody. He deserves credit. Oh god. I guess who would be the? I gotta say, Abraham Toro is not high on my list of players who are a part of this. Nope, he was there. He's the part just, of it. The Justin He's Upton Seattle sports figure cameo. Of the Are you referring to Kevin Padlow? I'm talking about Mike Ford. Is oh, Mike Ford. Yeah. Mike Ford and Jake Lamb. Your Seattle sports figure of the year. Uh, in the city Jake of Lamb Seattle. did it for his hometown. That was a moment. <laughs> Mike Ford. This is how you earn Seattle sports figure of the year in the city in the Pelton cast. Apparently, uh, you get uh, 38 played appearances, uh, five hits. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, 12 strikeouts, a 172 batting average. He did walk a pretty impressive amount. I, so. I always go back to the team set of the 1995 Mariners from Pacific Trading Cards, which talked about the invaluable contributions of Archimedes Pozo and Greg Perkle to the 95 Mariners. That negative one war, offensive war, and negative one defensive war. <laughs> so are you going to you. continue going on on this for like an hour more, or should we review our bold predictions and oh, make just... predictions for 2023? How long is the calendar year 2023? <laughs> An hour. An hour more. Just wait. All right. We'll start with your bold predictions for 2022. Oh, Number one, Jared Kilnick will be selected for the AL All-Star team. As it turned out, Kilnick was not in the major leagues at the All-Star break. What I meant to say was he would be the Seattle Sports Figure of the Year in... <laughs> 2022 nailed it yeah yeah very accurate 
You did correctly predict the Mariners will finally end their playoff drought playing in the AL play-in game, which was, of course, boldly predicted before the new MLB collective bargaining agreement added the third wildcard spot in the full best of three round. They would have made it. They would have made it before then. Correct. They were the number one or no, number two playing team. Yes. All right. Next up in Mike Hopkins last season as UW men's basketball head coach, the Huskies will not win a Pac-12 conference game. (laughs) That was wish casting. As I explained, it's very hard to go winless in conference plays. I also explained to John Hollinger when he predicted that Oregon State would do it this season when they won their opening game against UW. <laughs> oh, no. uh, you said at the time that Mike Hopkins being fired was, quote, set in stone. The Huskies actually finished 11-9 and and bettered the 0-20, not only in the conference regular season, but even in the conference tournament where they managed to win a game. It's so funny that I boldly predicted that, and then this year, a year later, talked about how the team was just in the mediocre carousel, and that they're not bad enough to get Mike Hopkins fired, not good enough to make the tournament. We we did both predict that Mike Hopkins would not be the coach of the UW men's basketball. We'll talk about that, but I did not predict the 0-20. We'll talk about that later. Uh, This one was a much better prediction that was technically wrong, but I'm giving you credit for. Led by the new duo, of Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix Jr., the Huskies easily win the Pac-12 North. Uh, you said that they would, quote, completely turn around the offense instantly. Also Done. said, Done. if it would have been Jake Hayner, I would have predicted the college football playoff. Probably still true. Which, shout out to Jake Hayner for winning the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Fresno State, they were, I believe, one in four to start the season. One or three or one in four. Jake Hayner missed a couple of those games because he was injured during their loss to USC. Came back. They ran off, I believe, 10 consecutive wins, including the Mountain West Championship game. Won the conference championship. Blew out the Cougars on Saturday in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. So an awesome way for is he on the NFL radar at all, Jay Kaner? I think to some degree. I don't. What what part was I technically not right about? We didn't win the North. There is no North. But we had the best record in the Pac-12 North. We would have won the Pac-12 North had it still existed. But I don't know. It doesn't exist anymore. No, there's no conferences. Again, they just picked the two best teams. Did you miss that for, for the? Pac-12 championship, they just pick the two best teams, but there still are Pac- there still is a Pac-12 North and South. I mean, for scheduling purposes, they play teams that were historically in the North, but if you go to the conference website, it doesn't list a North and a South that I know huh. of. So Okay, well, also, so, we I'm sorry that I didn't predict that the Pac-12 North and South wouldn't exist anymore. They also didn't easily win the Pac-12 North. They did so via tiebreaker. <laughs> so... <laughs> That injuring, that part of it. Bo Nix. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am skeptical about. All right, next up, you predicted that Rashad Penny will be a Pro Bowler in 2022. I swear to God, he would have been. I don't he think would... he was necessarily on track for it, but uh, suffered a season-ending fibula fracture in Week Five. Well, he was ca- averaging six yards per ga- carry. Uh, just had not been a lot of carries in many of those early games. Rashad Penny would have been. A- fucking monster i'm i say what you will about running backs and whether they mattered seahawks are making the playoffs if rashad penny doesn't get injured no i don't agree with that uh next up none of these four leaders of the seahawks power structure john schneider pete carroll shane waldron or ken norton jr will return in 2022 of that group only norton was ultimately fired i said at the time 
I almost think Pete Carroll alone is not bold enough at this point to qualify. <laughs> we were pretty down because you'll recall that the the bold the uh, year in review and bold predictions was taped last year immediately in the aftermath of the Seahawks losing to the Bears uh, at home. So it was not a great time for them. It's kind of wild. But Again, if that hadn't happened, if that hadn't happened, we would have never made the Ross trade. You did predict, and I agreed with this so much on the the process, although it did not turn out to be correct. Bill Barnwell will predict that the Seahawks will win the NFC West on his season preview podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't go re-listen to Barnwell's pod, but I'm pretty confident that did not happen. I swear, he kind of said I would have predicted. Oh, right? I think he did, yeah. On that podcast, came. he said the Seahawks was, were going to. It was to. in his, one of his written stories, but... I could boldly predict right now everybody picking the Rams to win the NFC West next year. It is coming. Oh, right. they're going to have a fourth fourth place schedule. All right, hold 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 it. Okay, that was going to be one of my bold predictions. Was the Rams winning the NFC West? Yeah, it's. I there, guess it's not a bold. Pendulum that swings every year in the NFL. But you've been saying this entire time, oh, the Rams can't possibly do it because they're not getting the first round draft pick out of it. That team's going to be fucking trash next year. Please, please boldly predict that. I would love for you to boldly predict that. I mean, I, I, I've already mentioned it. I'm not going to like say it again for posterity. I don't think your bonus bold prediction is that the Seahawks would waive Bobby Wagner, which at the time I allowed as a bold prediction. Although a couple weeks later, we gave our percentage chances of Bobby Wagner returning in the season review podcast. And nobody, none of the three of us, Ben Baldwin being the third was over 45% chance of Bobby Wagner returning. I remember so. boldly predicting a victory against Michigan State, a top 10 ranked Michigan State. You predicted that? We'll get there in a second. So depending how you qualify the Pac-12 North thing, you were either two of three, two or three out of eight. Oh, the Pac-12 North thing you count easily, of course. All right, my first bold prediction. Vulcan announces the closure of Vulcan Sports and Entertainment and places the Seattle Seahawks and Portland Trailblazers for sale, which did not happen. Despite reported interest from a group including Nike founder Phil Knight, Jody Allen continued to declare the Blazers are not for sale and dismissed reports of a 10-year timetable to sell the teams after the death of Paul Allen. We also learned from a report from Brock Heward that Seahawks... uh, 10% 10% of the gross price from the sale of the Seahawks would go to the public stadium authority if Allen or his estate become less than minority investors in the team within the 25 years of the first bonds funding the stadium going on sale, which would run through May 1st, 2024, according to Bob Condota. So it doesn't seem likely that we'll see a sale before then at the very earliest. I, I would say the exact opposite happened this last year. I feel like this was the Jody Allen fuck you year. <laughs> right? Maybe me specifically. No, but like to everybody, this was the, a lady took over a couple of franchises. She'll want to sell them for anything, right? There was, the the sexism was very deep within all of these conversations. I mean, no, my argument was based on the fact that they didn't fill the role of president of Vulcan Sports and Entertainment. Not your argument. Not your argument necessarily, but there's some writers in the state of Portland, right? (laughs) That are, (laughs) I think it's a state. Uh, (laughs) Look it up. (laughs) <laughs> there are some writers in U- Portland University of made... Portland is the state school 
who made arguments about the Blazers being sold and about the Seahawks being sold. And I, I think it was like, more the arguments about Jody Allen not caring about the Seahawks that Jody showed Allen sexism. showed in the year 20 of 22 that she cared about the Seahawks and the Blazers. And she, the both franchises we've talked about are in much better positions. to care about a team than being in the fucking press box and being shown, smoking a cigarette on a golf cart and being interviewed. Like, there are other don't ways recall, to care. Don't recall Paul Allen doing that. That was Jim Irsay. Uh, but uh, that's what I'm saying is there's different ways to care about a team than being a public figure. In fact, for all intents and purposes, 2022 showed us that being a rich public figure is the worst fucking thing you can do. And every single year in the history of time showed us that being a rich public figure and being like, I, I think that's all all that needs to be said. Rich public figure. Yeah. You, yeah. you know that you're probably one of the hundred worst people on earth. So like, the way that Jody Allen is handling being a professional sports owner is fucking commendable. All right, next up, I boldly predicted the storm would send Subert out a champion, winning the fifth title in franchise history in front of home fans at Climate Pledge Arena, which obviously did not happen. Mm-hmm. Next, I did predict UW football begins the Kaywin DeBoer Erna era in go. earnest by ups- upsetting a Michigan State team ranked in the top 10 at Husky Stadium, to which you replied, the only part of that that's bold is Michigan State being ranked in the top 10. That team is trash. UW is going to win that game easy. They're next year's UW. Michigan State indeed finished the season 5-7. and seven. But Some, we're somehow ranked in the I top 10. I took your bold prediction and made a better bold prediction. <laughs> The Michigan State Bowl prediction. It it's so funny. We did literally didn't even know the name Ken Walker when that happened, right? No, I mentioned it on the podcast because did I had you? done research. It was the first time Kenneth Kenneth Walker the third's name was uttered on this podcast. What did you was, say about it? I said that he might come back. Wish he had. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Let, I'll let the Seahawks it, making the Russell Wilson Cam Knight. It would be better. Uh, where was <laughs> Damian Pierce drafted? <laughs> Uh, probably later. All right, my next bold prediction. UW men's basketball hires Todd Golden as a replacement for Mike Hopkins. As we, of course, followed, Golden ended up at Florida after leading USF to the NCAA tournament for the first time since the 1980s. Huskies never appeared to seriously. How, how, is, how is he shape. doing so far? Eh, it's a little shaky so far. It, it has not been killing to board UW like. No, but they haven't had, I mean, they were not down in the dumps like that and uh, have not had any, like, truly terrible losses yet but uh also haven't had any great wins I all do right next think up there's, how long was todd golden good at, San at usf i mean yeah. they were building to it for several years i think there's a little something about kaylin DeBoer worked for it for a while the previous coaching experience at the fcs level i think was undoubtedly beneficial and maybe football and basketball just different sports or whatever but like or, or maybe Todd Golden, Todd Golden didn't have a quarterback to bring over. That that was part of it. Yes. But I, I still think, who knows? Maybe maybe Kalen DeBoer just happened to be... Jay Kaner's good. Jay Kaner is not just good because Kalen DeBoer is good. I mean, Fresno State, as I just said, went on to win the Mountain West this year after Kalen DeBoer's departure. Michael Penix Jr. probably is good outside of Kalen DeBoer. So... I, I don't know if I believe in the idea that a coach can make any quarterback good or whatever. I think coaches can have really beneficial systems. Caleb DeBoer may have just been lucky with two quarterbacks. It is possible. Hope hope that's not the case. 
All right, my next bullet prediction. With a new collective bargaining agreement mitigating the benefits of service time manipulation, Julio Rodriguez breaks spring training with the Mariners to start the season at age 21. There we go. So there weren't massive CBA changes, although they did put in a rule that the Rookie of the Year winner would get a full time year of service time, even if they were called up after that date. Uh, that was one small factor, but also mostly got Julio a draft was, pick because of it, though. Julio was just too good to keep in the minors. The Mariners got a draft pick because of him winning Rookie right. of the Year, though. Yes. All right. Next up, I predicted that Jordan Morris would lead the Sounders in goals in MLS play, which he did much of the year, but ended up with seven goals to nine from Raul Ruiz Diaz, who at the time, part of the bold prediction was that he might get transferred to it or might leave the Sounders because he didn't have a contract extension, which later got done. Uh, my, my most off-target bold prediction, although we never really got to find out, that Katarina Macario of the U.S. Women's National Team would lead O.L. Reign in scoring on a transfer from Olympic Lyon, where she was playing in France. Uh, instead, she suffered an ACL tear in the final game of the French season wow. while helping Lyon complete an unbeaten season. And we didn't see parent team O.L. loan any players to the Reign this season. They instead brought back old friend Kim Little on a short-term loan. Last bold prediction, the Kraken would trade Mark Giordano to his hometown Maple Leafs, which indeed happened at the March 20th deadline. Giordano and the Leafs lost a seven-game heartbreaker in the first round to the two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning. So I got three out of eight. Do you want to kick off the 2023 bold predictions? What team? Should, should we do it team, team by team? All right, let's start with UW football since we've been talking a lot about them. Okay. Uh, in, in the final year of the Pac-12 championship, right? What do you mean? Aren't USC and UCLA going to the... Oh, well, yes, of the current Pac-12 construction, yes. There will continue to be a Pac-12 championship. Who knows who will play in it? UW football will play Oregon in a rematch. For the second time in the Pac-12 championship, obviously with none of the teams that are leaving for the Big Ten involved, playing the first time in Seattle, second time in Vegas. And and I, I will boldly predict if this happens, I think we're going. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think, without I think, a question. I think, I think this will be my first time in a Pac-12. And your first time? I have never been, no. I, I think this will be our to... first time at a Pac-12. I think we will have been to the Pac-12 championship. Because you don't... UW, both times they play, have played in the Pac-12 championship, it was in Santa Clara, so it was not as fun a trip as Vegas. Alas, my bold prediction plays off something you said earlier. UW football wins fewer than 10 games next season. I want you to consider that there have been two times in program history that the Huskies have begun the season with a Heisman campaign for a returning quarterback, as they undoubtedly will for Michael Penix Jr. this summer. Those two times were 2003 for Cody Pickett and 2010 for Jake Locker. In both of those seasons, UW went six and six or worse and the Heisman campaign, such as it was, ended early in the month of September as those quarterbacks played poorly against nationally ranked opponents. There is an extremely poor track record when the Huskies have high expectations about a returning quarterback going into the season. And I don't want to, I don't think that Michael Penix Jr. will perform poorly as those players did in their final seasons at UW relative to previous seasons. But I also 
just am very wary that everything is going to break his right, especially in a conference that the other bold prediction I considered was that Penix wouldn't be an all Pac-12 quarterback next season. But that's not even a bold prediction because Bo Nix is coming back and the fucking Heisman Trophy winner plays in the Pac-12. Are we allowed to refute bold predictions? Is that sure? Yeah, yeah. I want you to consider that you're dumb. <laughs> in all of these years, have those quarterbacks been as good statistically? Cody Pickett had a lot of yards. No. But have those quarterbacks been as good as Michael Penix Jr.'s? Jake Locker Absolutely was not. fucking trash, right? Jake Locker was a high projected draft pick, not a good player. This is not, these are not comparable situations that we're talking about. Four times that I could think of in UW history, they have not had the. They've had a very, very good quarterback return for their senior year and not been as good as they were previously. I'm I'm including Pickett, Keith Price, Jake Locker, Jake, or, uh, and Jake Browning. I mean, Price's senior season was actually much better than his, Maybe his, it was his junior, junior season. Year, it was the disappointing bad. one, yes. But like he, the, the Huskies have had down years with quarterbacks. That's how, it's, how it works in college. I understand. Michael Penix Jr. is built very, very, very different than those quarterbacks and also those coaches were. It is a very different situation that's happening in Seattle that is building around Michael Penix Jr. right now than those other ones that you're talking about. And I feel like you're not understanding in this bold prediction and respecting just how unique of a combination of Michael Penix Jr., Kalen DeBoer, and the offensive talent around him is existing right now. So boldly predict that. I love it. I love you bolding, boldly predicting that. It's, there's two different ways. It's like, oh yeah, the Bills aren't that good. Oh, the Eagles, there's a bunch of hype building around the Eagles. Why would they be good? Jalen Hurts sucks. It's like, just think about that. Not not the same. Uh, do you have another UW football one? No, that's my only UW football. My other bold prediction relates to what you just said, which is that UW joins the Big Ten. Oh, you're so off on that one. I die. That's why it's a bold prediction. Because there's no steam for it all. If it was a bunch of steam for it, it wouldn't qualify as a bold prediction. We're going to take our Amazon deal and love it. This is this is my version of your predicting expansion to Seattle and being expansion to Seattle. I, I, could just, I, I, I feel like expansion to Seattle. I feel like I should just boldly predict it every year, but <laughs> just as tra- out of tradition. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll do that at the end. Uh, do you have a Sounders bold prediction? Uh. Yeah, the Sounders will miss the playoffs for the second straight year. And we have now World Cup champion Messi versus Ronaldo in the MLS Cup final with the league finally gaining traction at a national level. So the best part of this is that you have previously made a bold prediction about Messi coming to MLS. This is your second time going for it. Time. Uh uh, I think 2024, 2025 might be time. Uh, my bold prediction about the Sounders... R- that they Ronaldo won- doesn't seem all that unlikely. Oh, no, that, that seems very plausible, except that uh, it seems like there's going to be people who are going to pay him much larger sums of money to play in the Middle East, which is probably true of Messi as well. A lot, it's of, different. A lot the, of money the to the be glory, spent there. The glory and the fame... We'll see what happens. Who knows? But the we, glory and the fame in the Middle East is not the same as it is in Los Angeles, California, or New York City. We'll see on that one. My Sounders bold prediction is that they will make the semifinals of the expanded Leagues Cup 
They reached the finals of that tournament in 2021, the last edition, back when it matched the top four teams from MLS and Liga MX that did not reach the CONCACAF Champions League in what was a single elimination tournament. Starting next season, all 47 teams from both Liga MX and MLS will participate with five rounds of knockout play. So getting to the semifinals would be a pretty remarkable accomplishment okay. if the Saudis managed this to do it. This is the tournament where they're playing in a match, and I'm like, what's going on? Who are they playing? Well, it's an entire month of matches this year, so it'll be hard for you to miss this time. They stop, they're stopping they're not... MLS play, and they're stopping Liga MX play just for this tournament. Stop trying to make Leagues Cup a thing, oh, MLS. They're they not going to stop that until they merge. Oh, you think they're they're going to merge? Eventually, it seems like that's the long-range outcome, but there's there's a lot of things they have to work through to get to that point. I think that'd be kind of cool. Do you have anything else left that's not Seahawks or Mariners? Uh, <clears throat> I, I have a general culture bold prediction. Okay. Which I feel like maybe even got accelerated, accelerated today, but I don't even know if it's a bold prediction at this point. I think it'll... It's already started to happen slowly, but I think there's going to be a landslide sometime early in 2023. But I do think there will be some sort of platform which looks almost identical to Twitter that will replace Twitter. That seems plausible. That seems very plausible. Again, it's a I, good I bold prediction. A, maybe it's not a bold prediction. I don't know. But like, it's just that's a general direction that we're heading. We've got the, uh, the Pelicast Discord waiting in the wings. All right, my other predictions for the, besides the Seahawks and Mariners, since we'll get to them at the end. Uh, Rose Lavelle wins the golden ball as the best player at the FIFA World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next summer, next winter for them. She won the bronze ball in 2019 when Megan Rapino was the golden ball winner during the last World Cup. It's also plausibly a bold prediction to project to predict simply that the U.S. will win that tournament. USWNT some shaky results lately on the international stage. I looked at that one. I I investigated it. Good, good. I'm glad you kicked the tires on that one. Uh, the NHL announces not that, that the, specific bold prediction, but the the, the whole tournament in general. Yeah. yeah, the and the NHL announces that the 2004 24 entry draft will be held at Climate Pledge Arena. There was much discussion of this back when Commissioner Gary Bettman first appeared in Seattle after the city was awarded an expansion franchise when he said that the Kraken were promised an all-star game within their first seven years of existence, but he guessed a draft would be held here before that. And then lastly, we've already, like, obviously the UW bold prediction I don't hope doesn't come true. This is one I really hope doesn't come true, but it was the best bold prediction I could come up with this with the storm because I don't really think anything involving Courtney Vandersloot or Brianna Stewart in free agency is a bold prediction. It all seems to, could go either way to me. Really? And that is that the Seattle Storm have a coaching change in 2023. Really? So... And hope that doesn't happen. But that's that's the bold prediction. All right, Mariners. After ending their playoff drought in the 2022 season, Mariners will win their first home playoff game since 2001 in the 2023 season. I I think there's there's some. Is steam that a bold behind, prediction? I think there's some steam behind. I think the negativity surrounding this offseason has made people lose sight of the fact... Again, I'm not happy with the offseason, 
But I think it's made people lose sight of the fact of what this roster really looks like and the additions of Teoscar Hernandez and Colton Wong and what they mean to be the pitching staff, which is going to be my second bold prediction. But I, I, I do think that winning a home playoff game is still considering everything that's happened. I mean, you can tell me it's not, whatever. It's always fun questioning whether the other person's a prediction <laughs> is a bold prediction or not. Uh, but I think ultimately this team is probably not going to win the AL West. Especially when you complain going to... that the prediction doesn't go far enough, as you said, with the Michigan State prediction. So I should predict here that the Mariners will win like the World Series, I guess. 120 be... games. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are going to host the wild card round and win at least one of those games. That's all I'll say. My bold prediction for the Mariners is that Shohei Otani is a member of the Mariners by this time next year. So dumb. I'd like to boldly predict that Shohei Otani is a member of the San Francisco Giants in this time. Uh, you, you I would like that. to boldly predict that the Mariners are outbid in a way that they never fucking saw coming for Shohei Otani next year. I, can we agree that it is going to be the highest deal in MLB history? Not a bold prediction. Yes, we can agree. Uh, also on the Mariners. I, I had one that I, I, I kind of threw out, but that was Julio Rodriguez will homer in the all-star game in the city of Seattle. Oh, that's a great bold prediction. I toyed with Cal Raleigh will be one of three Mariners all-stars in 2023, but that didn't quite feel bold enough to me. That doesn't feel... Cal Raleigh being an all-star doesn't feel he's, bold enough? To... He was like the third best catcher in the AL this year, and he's young. I'm it's... the only person who thinks that Cal Raleigh is going to be like a role player next year you're way too low on Colorado it's the players who have unexpectedly great seasons in baseball who are not that big of prospects who all of a sudden have monster seasons usually don't repeat it I don't know consider that my bonus bold prediction fine Cal Rally being an all-star you can have that as a bold prediction <laughs> uh my bold prediction also involving a young Mariner is that the Mariners will have a player in the top five of AL Cy Young voting in 2023. That's, that's, yeah. and that player will be George Kirby. Wow. Okay. Now that is a bold prediction. He is, I, we are poised, poised for the monster George. Like I, I thought about it. I was like, Castillo. No, we know who's going to break out next year. That is George Kirby. You didn't consider Logan Gilbert? I like that the 2021 AL Cy Young winner totally off the board in our discussion. It's he's, funny because that would he's be immediately the after cold prediction. Oh, yeah. And Robbie Ray getting top five Cy Young voting <laughs> for 2023 would be more bold than either George Kirby or Luis Castillo. He's behind Chris Flexen in the conversation. <laughs> a little too down on. They've, they've signed a few minor league free agents that may be... Uh... <laughs> All right, Seahawks. The Seahawks slog season finally comes. After re-signing Gino, I'm not saying how long, could be a year, could be a franchise tag or whatever. Gino will be the quarterback though. And investing in defense, the Seahawks now facing two of the best divisions in football with a second place schedule and unfavorable home versus road uh, schedule are currently four and nine when oh we record next year and looking at the quarterback class with another top five pick. Wow, that is a bold prediction. It's I feel like it it is it's coming. 
my bold prediction for the Seahawks is that the Denver Broncos first round pick will be used to take a quarterback. Now, not necessarily the Seahawks. I think that could be them trading down so that another team can take a quarterback. But one of the things I feel like always happens is this time of year, all the draft talk is about, oh, this amazing defensive prospect and, you know, this wide receiver. And then the next, like, teams look at it in the offseason. They're like, oh, shit, we don't have a good option at quarterback. And the quarterbacks, with the exception of last year, when this did not, notably did not happen, the quarterbacks always work their way back up the board as time goes on. And I think that there are going to be multiple quarterbacks taken in the top five, which qualifies probably as a bold prediction in and of itself. Multiple quarterbacks drafts in the top five? Yes. And that one of those picks, one of those quarterbacks is taken with the Broncos pick belonging to the Seahawks originally. Okay. Uh, can we go through at this point and one, two, three, four, first and second round picks. We don't say where they're drafted or whatever, just order of the first four picks that the Seahawks actually select. Not, not. So if you think it's going to be a quarterback, the Seahawks take include that, but the first four players that end up on the Seahawks roster, what positions do you think they'll be in order? Yeah. I want to get this down on the books. So I think it's defensive tackle. Let's let's call that defensive line. I don't think you have to parse tackle versus edge rush. Well, it's three four defensive line. I I think that I think that is interior defensive line versus edge rusher is to me different. I think interior. Okay. You're de- so you're interior, saying they're drafting Jalen Carter? Pretty much yes. Interior okay. defensive line, then edge, then wide receiver, then linebacker. Okay, I think they do. Edge first. I don't think that. I either think they'll fall out of love with Jalen Carter, or th- he'll get drafted ahead of the Seahawks. Could be possible. So I think it goes edge, wide receiver, quarterback, cornerback. Oh, I don't think cornerback. I think that's very unlikely. I think they are drafting a quarterback. I think they're less set there than they, than you think they are. Eh, I mean, I don't know that they're set there, but they just drafted starting cornerbacks in the fourth and fifth rounds. So I don't know that they're super gung-ho to draft one in the top two rounds again, which they were never were that gung-ho about in the first place. We'll see. That's I, look. That's, that's why it's a bold prediction. Okay. But so I, I'm out. I think the Seahawks will draft a quarterback next year. Gino within, or otherwise within the I think first the, two days i do think so yes okay i i don't think they're gonna look at gino and say this is our franchise again a lot has to happen before then although might literally be their franchise player okay am i going next on the seahawks i'm i'm out of bold predictions uh for the seahawks this is my last bold prediction I think that Daryl Taylor will be traded this offseason. Okay. That I think they're, seems they're, plausible. They're looking at drafting an edge rusher near the top. Yeah. They want to open up a they want to make sure that there's more playing time for players like Boya Mafe and other players like that. And I think they will look at Daryl Taylor entering Bruce into Irvin. restricted what? Bruce Irvin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the timeless. I think they are entering in they will look at Daryl Taylor, still probably with value going into the restricted free agent year the following year. And I think they will want to move on from him a year early before getting there. I could be a year early on this. I'm accepting that. 
but I think that they are going to trade Daryl Taylor for a probably fairly good pick within the first three rounds. I don't think they get a fairly good pick. I think maybe a third rounder. I think Daryl Taylor has a lot more value than we're judging right now, and they're not going to want to pay him. The team is not going to want to pay him, and they will see it early and trade Daryl Taylor in the offseason. All right, well, that, that would be interesting on that was the only transaction thing. I just looked I looked up and down the roster and I was like, it's gonna be a lot of draft. They're gonna sign some free agents. But I think Daryl Taylor is where they move on, and that's it. It's reasonable. <sighs> I also would love to have Bobby Wagner back on the roster, but I don't I don't think that's gonna happen yet. Yet yeah, I, don't, I don't think yet. so. I'll boldly yes. predict that next year. Okay. That's the well, time. Yeah. Next year I'll boldly predict that Bobby maybe we both will. Well, it's always good when we have disagreements. There was one year that I was reviewing the bold, uh, the I was looking at what would the top news story each what year was and saw some bold, bold predictions. There was one year that you boldly predicted the Mariners would be over 500. I boldly predicted the Mariners would be under 500. <laughs> they were directly opposite predictions, which means probably neither of them were all that bold, but you, you got the better of that one. You won I was right. Yeah. They were over 500. So that's back in the days of the Mariners when boldly predicting that they were over 500. <laughs> Yeah, the, All the bar has do. changed. But this All is right. always our favorite to go back and check out these old bold predictions. Can't wait to listen to this again in December 2023. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back later this week on Wednesday with our regular weekly pod previewing Seahawks Chiefs on Christmas Eve. Talking about the... Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that night's UW-Auburn men's basketball game right before the holidays. Yes, they're playing offer. So, Christmas Eve? No, on, on December 22nd, I believe. Or 21st? I don't know. One of those days. 21st. The night that we're going to record it? No, the night it comes out. Okay. We'll record it the night before that. So, uh, as always, thanks so much for listening to us in 2022, and we look forward to uh, having continuing to record podcasts, and hopefully you continue to listen to them in 2023. In true Kevin Pelton fashion, I would like to say that the real Seattle sports figure of the year was you, the fan. Thanks for listening. You, sorry, you, the listener. Thanks. Fucking Mariners. Such a cop out. Also, Ricky, respect that it was the Seattle Mariners. Oh, that changes everything. That was part of the season. You're so deeply upset that I called you out for this. No, I'm deeply upset that you talked for like 30 minutes about it. When you make a really bad Seattle sports figure of the year, there has to be somebody out there to call you out for it. We'll see. Are you including this part? Because I'm telling I'm telling you, every single person out there, they'll be like, I begrudgingly agree with Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we get at least one I begrudgingly agree with Tristan tweet. <laughs> they'll be like, I didn't want to. I voted for Kevin every single year for Peltcast MVP, but Tristan was yeah, right. Voted for, voted for the famous cousin Katie either way. Well, yeah, they all vote. They're all Katie voters. In the end, they'll be like, just like I didn't want Messi to win the World Cup, I didn't want Tristan to win this argument for Seattle Sports Figure of the Year, but in the end, you have to give him props. <laughs> the greatest soccer player and podcaster in history. Oh. All right. I actually thought that was our best year in review that we've ever done. You did?